looking to sound like you know what's going on in the world? Pop culture, social strategy, comedy, and other funny stuff? Well, join the club and settle in for the Jeff Dwoskin Show. It's not the podcast we deserve, but the podcast we all need with your host, Jeff Dwoskin. All right, Barry. Thank you so much for that amazing introduction. You get the show going each and every week. And this week is no exception. You really brought the heat this week. Thank you so much. Because this week is extra special. This is week 48 of Live from Detroit, the Jeff Dewaskin Show. I know that because I am your host, Jeff Dewaskin. And I keep track of such things. And this is going to be an amazing episode. We have Ted Neely with us. That's right, Ted Neely. You know and love him as Jesus Christ from Jesus Christ Superstar, the live stage show, and of course, the 1973 rock opera movie directed by Norman Jewison. That's right. Jesus Christ himself, Ted Neely, is here, and he is going to talk to us about making the movie and an amazing documentary that he just made, which is going to be released to correspond with the 48th anniversary of Jesus Christ Superstar. It's a documentary called Superstars. 48th anniversary of the movie, 48th show of Live from Detroit, the Jeff Dwoskin show. Could that be a coincidence? It is. It's absolutely a coincidence. But I wanted to point it out anyway. It's a great conversation. You're going to love it. Ted and I became quick friends and had a great time talking. And that's going to come up in just a few minutes. But until that time, allow me to tell you to thank you for subscribing and following my podcast on your favorite podcast app. Jeff, are you singing that rock opera style? (laughs) Yes, I am. Guilty. Guilty as charged. Trying to get you in the mood for the upcoming Ted Neely interview. But I do want to thank everyone who subscribes and follows the podcast. I want to thank everyone who tells all their friends to subscribe to the Jeff Dewaskin show. Tell them that you can check Jeff Dewaskin's podcast out on CastBox, Spotify, Amazon Music, Audible. Audible? You're on Audible? Isn't that the place with all the books? It is! How fancy am I? I know, right? Okay, so tell all your friends. They'll love you for it. I do also want to take this moment to thank... Casey Ryan Plot. He was our celebrity guest voice on episode 47. Check that out. That's the one with Art Bell. He created Comedy Central and he talks all about creating Comedy Central. That's a pretty awesome one. I do want to thank Brian and Chrissy from the Commercial Break podcast for having me on as a guest. I'll share those links when that goes live. That was super fun. And I want to thank everyone and remind everyone to join us every Wednesday at 9.30 p.m. Eastern Time for Crossing the Streams. That's right, Crossing the Streams. It's the greatest live show ever in the history of the world that talks about TV shows that you should be streaming. That's right, me and a bunch of my pals, and we have guests that come frequently, and we talk about great things that you should be watching. It's super fun. You can follow us on YouTube, the Jeff Dewaskin Show channel. Find that. Just search it up. It's also in the show notes, a quick link. Or you can follow us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Jeff. It's funny. If you follow those, you'll get notified when we go live. So I'll see you there. And now it's time for the social media tip. All right, everyone. Grab your pencil. Grab your pad of paper. Here it comes. Today's social media tip. How to get followers. That's right. Who doesn't want followers? It's a simple high-level strategy. All you got to do is the following. One, be active and engage. That means don't just post stuff. You also have to comment, share, like, retweet, etc., etc. other people's stuff. I know. It's like, oh, why can't people just love me? You got to love other people too. Tweet unto others as you would want them to tweet unto you. Post often. Don't just disappear. And when you do post, make sure it's something 
people would want to like or share. You have to almost put yourself in their shoes. And when they see what you post, they're like, oh, I wish I had thought of that. And they'll like and share it as well. Look for hashtags. For example, the ones we use on Hashtag Roundup. But also any trending hashtags can help elevate your content and get you further exposure. Ask people to follow you. Say, hey, I'm trying to build it up. Here's the link to my Twitter. Here's the link to my Instagram. Could you give me a follow? And then you got to do the other things we just talked about. Engage, post, put out good stuff. Follow others that you find interesting. A lot of times when you follow other people, they'll follow you back. And here's another thing. When people engage with your content, follow them. They're likely to follow you back. Those are the best people to follow because you already know they like your stuff because they've already engaged with you. This is a long-term strategy. So just kind of do all those things. You got to do it daily throughout the day. And eventually you'll have so many followers, you won't even know what to do. And that's the social media tip. I do want to thank everyone for supporting the sponsors week after week after week. Oh, my God. It means the world to me. The sponsors write me. They text me. They email me. They can't get over the love and support they get from Live from Detroit, the Jeff Tawaskin Show fans. You guys are the best, the best. So excuse me for a second if I'm overjoyed to share with you this week's sponsor. This week's sponsor is Miracle Whip. That's right, Miracle Whip. How many times have you been sitting there staring at a sandwich that is as boring as a day is long? How many times did you reach for mayo and go, ugh? Well, why reach for mayo when you can reach for a miracle? That's right, put a little miracle on your sandwich. Miracle Whip, that is. That's right. You'll turn that sandwich into a glorious, mouth-watering extravaganza of taste explosions. Miracle Whip, it's the miracle your life's been looking for. Yeah, so that's cool. So check that out. I've been really into miracles lately, and Miracle Whip makes all my meals so much better. So check that out. If you're stuck in a mayonnaise rut, give Miracle Whip a try. All right. Well, you know what? It's time for me to share my conversation with you that I had with Ted Neely. It's a great conversation. We talk about Jesus Christ Superstar, stage and screen, his castmates, what they've meant to him. He shares amazing stories. And we talk about the new documentary, Superstars, which chronicles the making and lives of all the people involved with Jesus Christ Superstar. Ladies and gentlemen, here's my conversation with Ted Neely. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm so excited to introduce you to my next guest, music sensation, JC, the King of the Jews. You know him as Jesus from Jesus Christ Superstar. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Ted Neely. Ted, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you for letting me come here and be crazy with you. <laughs> oh, my God. It's fun. It's so much fun to do these things, man, to find out that people like you still appreciate it. And, you know, we only put it out last year, of course. It's a brand new movie, you know, Jesus Christ. No, but think about <laughs> that, that we're about to celebrate the 48th anniversary of the release of the film. And I'm still doing it and doing interviews and doing the show live and doing screenings. And it is absolutely the most wonderful experience of my life. It's incredible the passion that you have. Just so everyone listening, there's a new documentary coming out in August called Superstars, which documents the making of and the behind the scenes and lots of cool stuff. And Ted, we're going to talk a lot about it. <laughs> uh, and that's coming out to celebrate the, on the 48th 8th anniversary. So that's exciting. 
And yeah, so I, I want to talk about that. I want to talk about the movie. I want to talk about your experiences yeah. over these 48 years. It's just, it's, it's incredible. This documentary is going to be streaming now. People can actually watch it on TV if they wish. It's, a, it's an amazing world we live in now, isn't it? <laughs> I can't believe it, honestly. And, it, and quite frankly, if it hadn't been for this crazy pandemic, we wouldn't have this because this is the first time in my life I've not been out on the road for an entire year. So I was a Boy Scout in Texas when I grew up, and our the motto of that was be prepared. So said it, I'm going to be prepared for when this thing is over and we can go do new things. So now we've got this documentary, and we Yvonne and I, we're doing concerts now, she and I. And we were supposed to do our premiere concert last Easter in Boston, and the lockdown stopped us from doing it. So we're still waiting to do that as well. So can't wait to get back out there and hug people again, man. Yeah, you, the two of your voices together is great. You use, I know you use some of the songs that you sing together in the documentary. And I immediately went and re-listened to that on Amazon Music. It's just great. And she's she's a wonderful friend. For her and Barry Denon to be on that original album as well as being in the film and then in all of the shows as well. God, this production of Superstar brought so many people together strangers people who'd never met before and became the best and closest of friends ah incredible absolutely incredible and while we were in israel making the film guess who i met over there who'd you meet the real jesus came over to say hello no i'm sorry i'm sorry <laughs> i met the beautiful lady who became my wife oh yeah that's right you met your wife yeah 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 of course yeah. um yeah Leanne, yes. Principal dancer. Oh, you can see her the most in Simon's song, you know, Christ, you know, she does all those real high kicks that they freeze frame on and stuff, you know, but she's in every sequence where there are dancers. She's got a close up of her with Herod right next to her when he goes, Jesus, I'm overjoyed. And there's Leanne right there. Anyway. Well, so when you met, which was the movie was in the early 70s, did you date the whole time? Because you got married in 81, right? Yeah, we didn't. <laughs> we were so overwhelmingly consumed by our experience in the film. Only thing we anybody ever got a chance to do was occasionally on a day off to have dinner. And it was always several people. There was never was any privacy, no matter where you were. So, but we didn't date until we got back to America. Absolutely incredible. And she still puts up with me. Yeah. <laughs> So you, I'm saying, so she knew to stick with you right away. She's like, she's like wait, I'm not gonna let Ted uh, use this uh, the Jesus line and pick up all the chicks. That's, that's right, right, right. And of course, once <laughs> once we shook hands and kind of made eye contact, whatever, and it was obviously something happening between us. She had this baseball bat. She was always saying, "Don't you get near me, or I'll give you. Um, you got to do what I want you to do." <laughs> she's great. National Ballet of Canada. Prima ballerina. Grew, she grew up in the National Ballet of Canada, went to school there. And Norma Jewison, being from Canada, and Rob Isco, who was the choreographer for the film, also from Canada, brought some ladies over from Canada to join up. Well, no one nicer than the Canadians, right? Oh, incredible. Wonderful, sweet, wonderful people. Yeah, I love Canada. We've done the show live all over Canada. Oh, incredible. You know where I was for the last five and a half years before this pandemic happened where were you in europe doing the show live in europe 
Yeah, I was invited to Rome to play the lead role in Superstar. They were celebrating their 20th anniversary of doing Superstar every year, Easter and Christmas. The director called me and said, would you please consider joining us? And I said, of course, for how long? He said, well, we'll need you for a four-week rehearsal and a six-week run. And I'm going to say no to get to go to Rome for 10 (laughs) weeks, you know? So we went over and it ran for five and a half years. You are who everyone thinks of when they think of Jesus. So that that makes sense. And like, and no, and Norm, Norman couldn't have found someone who you look just like him too. So like, you're, you're perfect. You, you have an amazing voice and the spitting image. So let's go BC before you landed the role of Christ, and let's let's work into that, and then gotcha. talk about the movie, and then kind of go through there. So you were already on Broadway with Jesus Christ Superstar. Yes, and you originally wanted to be Judas. That's exactly right. That's what I auditioned for, for Judas, literally. And Ben Vereen got that role, right? And then you were actually Jesus' understudy. And yes. you were you worked with Carl Anderson on that production, too. He was the Judas understudy under Ben Vereen. So that's interesting. So you were part of Jesus Christ Superstar even before you did the movie. Yes, absolutely. We, we did the Broadway show in 1971. That's when it started. And <laughs> we shot the film in 72. It came out in 73. But Carl had been on the very first world premiere tour, live uh, concert tour of Superstar in America. And he was Judas in that before the Broadway show. So that's why there was a possibility for him to be Judas and and possibility for me. But we both got, shall we say, shot out of line in New York, (laughs) but doing it ever since always until he passed. What was it about the Judas role that you wanted to go for that role first? First and foremost, I did not want to even attempt to portray, shall we say, the most well-known human in history, because <laughs> everybody has a, an opinion and all that of what it is and what he should be. I didn't think about that. I just listened to the music and I, those songs. I wanted to sing those songs so badly because uh, I love singing those kind of songs. I sing I love ballads too, but that's what I wanted. I want to sing those songs. Plus, nobody knows anything about Judas except what he allegedly did. So it was an open field to create a character, you see. And oh my God, Jesus, you started to believe that, you know. And then here comes Carl Anderson. My God, the way he did those songs. I was his biggest fan, you know. Oh, oh, amazing. And a great human being. Crazy, funny guy. We had so much fun. Just incredible. (laughs) Miss him like crazy. Yeah, he's he's been gone a while. It's uh, it's quite a loss. Yeah, and we've lost Barry Dinnan. Yeah, and Barry just a few years ago. Yeah, yeah. It's a lovely tribute that you have at the end of uh, Superstars to Barry. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I can imagine the hesitation trying to get a role of Jesus Christ. I mean, just now, like society, the way we argue about who's playing Batman. I mean, really, <laughs> yeah. Right. There's like right. Uh, some people you could assume would then have some opinions on Jesus Christ. Yeah, because everybody in the world is, you know, a critic of whoever tries to be Jesus, you know, and there'd been so many wonderful actors who've portrayed it before in other movies, come on, comparisons, you know, that's why I thought Judas will come out of the darkness, you know, and they created a whole new thing, you know, (laughs) (laughs) but boy, what Carl did for all of us with that voice and his ability and his personality, magnificent. All of you guys have powerhouse voices, you, Mm, I mean, like it was quite a collection of, uh, voices to come together like that how about the collection of just caiaphas and annas you know uh gentlemen and he goes what can they do about <laughs> those two voices together <laughs> <laughs> Woo-hoo. 
Kurt and Bob, they were in the Broadway show as well. So they didn't even have to audition for the film. Norman Jewison had seen the Broadway show and he put him in the film because of what he saw on stage in New York. So it was all perfect. So I'm, I'm going to I'm going to shut up and let you talk. I'm sorry, man. <laughs> no, I I, I want to hear you. You're here. I want to hear you talk. I, this, uh, <laughs> you're my guest. All right. So you're in Jesus Christ Superstar. I know that when you first came across Norman Jewison, you were in Tommy. Right. Uh, another rock opera. You're, you're, into the, <laughs> you're into the rock operas. Type. Oh, yeah. And so the whole idea was, which I thought was great, was you said, don't tell me when Norman's coming. I just don't want to get nervous about it. Right. And of course, the one day he shows up, it's your understudy. It's not you. It was as the only performance I missed in the entire show ever. And it was because it was a two-day, two-show matinee day. And in the matinee performance, I got injured. Well, Tommy was very physical. The stage was built to look like a, a, a pinball machine. And I'm not a dancer at all. And if, if you're aware of the way Pete Townsend did the music for Tommy, you know, there's the overture, but he put an undertour in Tommy, you see. That, that doesn't happen in a show generally. So he wrote the undertour, which ends the first act. And that was a big dance production. But the director and choreographer wanted me to be in the undertour. And they both knew I couldn't walk and chew gum at the same time, much less dance, you know. So they made me the pinball. <laughs> and I was, there were, there were four guys in the cast that were dancers and extras or whatever. They, they all looked like Arnold Schwarzenegger, but they were brilliant dancers, big muscular guys, right? They were tossing me back and forth across the stage, literally. I was like a little child being tossed around like a teddy bear. Well, that matinee show, one of the guys understudy was in. He had, I don't know, got married or something. And that gentleman and I misjudged one of the tosses and catches, and we both fell and were knocked out on the stage. And the dancers were so talented while the choreography was going on. They made it look like we were part of the choreography as they drug us off the stage. <laughs> Dancing <laughs> kept going. Nothing stopped, you know. <laughs> it was incredible. Anyway, so the company doctor told us both, go do the second act, but don't go on for the second show because you might be dizzy and you'll fall and hurt other people. That's the show Norman Jewison came to see. I wasn't even there. Oh, boy. That is funny. So tell me about going to see him at the hotel. Okay. And you, the hymn you're mentioning is Norman Jewison. And the way that happened was the next day after he came and saw the show and I wasn't in it, first thing in the morning, I get a call from the agent, his agent who set up him coming to see the show. He said, Ted, Norman went to see the show last night and you weren't there. Where were you, man? <laughs> he said, do you realize what you did? I, I, I was nuts. I just said, oh, God, is there any guy? Can you come and see the show today? He said, no. He and his wife are headed back to London. He was here for this audition for the Superstar cast. Uh, they're taking a flight out late this afternoon. I'm, oh, my God. Would it be possible, I said to him, that you could ask him if he would have lunch with me so I can apologize? And he had said this response to me many times in our first few conversations. He said, who are you? Because I didn't have an agent or a manager or anything. You know, I said, I'm just this rock and roll screaming drummer who got lucky here. What? He said, well, hold on a minute. Just hold on. Okay, I held on. He, he called Norman. Came back on. He said, Norman will meet you at his hotel at, at midday. Just go there. Go up and knock on his room door. You, you and he can sit down. I was so happy. I'm going to get to meet Norman Juice. And I wasn't going there to have him see me, you know, uh, and Tommy for anything in Superstar because he was already casting the thing. And he had told me that he'd already cast all of his principals. And he was just getting dancers and singers, you know, chorus members. Anyway, so we're <laughs> over there. Knocked on the door. Not a sound. I checked to make sure I was at the right door. I knocked again. Silence. 
And in my Boy Scout thing, I had learned that the third time is a charm. So, okay, third time. Yeah, who is it? From the inside of the door. I said, it's the guy who wasn't there last night. Oh, yeah, we're having lunch, Army. Go downstairs to the restaurant. I'll be there in a minute. So I'm okay. And I'm going to have lunch with Norman Jew. I said, this is great. So I went down, I sat down and uh, he said, uh, be sure we have some coffee. That's what he said. I don't drink coffee, but I ordered coffee. And I sat there and I drank almost a pot of coffee waiting for him to come down. And as I was sitting there, I thought, uh, this is a great director's way of telling somebody, get the hell out of my life, you know, because you're, you're annoying me. <laughs> so I got up to pay my check and I'm standing at the cash register getting the change. And all of a sudden, I, and it's Norman. I nearly fainted because I, so it's the first time I ever see him face to face. He said, you thought I wasn't going to show up, didn't you? He said, I was trying to show you how I felt last night when I went to the show and you didn't show up. <laughs> <laughs> so we sat out and we had a great lunch and a great time talking and all that. And that's when he told me that he had already cast all of his principles. But he said, I, I, I love your sense of humor. And uh, everybody tells me that you were great in Tommy. And so I'll keep you in mind. But he said, but I, forgive me, but I got, I've got to leave now. We got to catch this flight. And he said, take good care of yourself. I'll, I'll keep in touch. Great guy. Just a great guy. In the uh, documentary, he said he uh, thought you were not. <laughs> Yeah, of course. <laughs> Did he talk in, 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 in the Tahori talked about how I showed up, what I looked like? He mentioned you were wearing a fake mustache and a that's, fake that's beard. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And a wig, too, because I was doing Tommy, a teenager, late teenager, trying to look as young as possible. I didn't have a facial anything and short hair. And I noticed the whole time we were sitting there talking, he was looking at me and look like just looking at me, he's going to make him laugh. <laughs> and he told me later on in, in Israel that he thought it was so ridiculous that I thought I had to put on the beard and a, and a mustache and a wig and all that. He said, the only thing I really wanted to see was your eyes that never entered my mind <laughs> he's gonna be looking but i understand now with, without norman jewison there never would have been a film of jesus christ superstar because it was the first rock opera as you mentioned a while ago tommy was the first rock opera but superstar was the first rock opera that was made into a film studios didn't know what to do so norman jewison having his career and working with all of the studios was able to make that happen we all owe our careers and our lives to Norman Jewison. Norman Jewison is, yeah, he's an amazing director. I mean, I'm not listing everything, but Fiddler on the Roof, Moonstruck, In the Heat of the Night, Thomas Crown Affair, The Hurricane. I mean, that's just a fraction of them. Yeah. So, it's, so what, what was it like working with such an amazing director? I mean, this is, oh, this is one of those me? iconic people, right? I mean, and here's your first film and it's all yes. your guys' first film, really, right? Most of yes. it. Yes. Everybody. The only people, there were two people in the cast that had, had even been in front of a film camera before, and that was Barry Denon and Josh Mostel. They'd done bit parts in some movies, but the rest of us didn't have a clue. And the best example I can give you how stupid we were in terms of movie work, Norman had us over there to, to get ourselves together to rehearse and all that, and to make us be in the sun long enough to look like we were from there, as opposed to, you know, no color in your face at all. So when he got the costumes all together he told us that rehearsal day he said tomorrow we're going to have everybody in costume and we're going to shoot some tests just to see how things look so just come prepared to do that he said you're not going to have to do any acting anything we're just going to have you walking around as groups you know the apostles and the priests and so on so we can see how that looks so the next day we're all there full costume and ready to do it he said okay i'm going to start off with uh, jesus and the apostles and so the rest of you guys just kind of hang on and you'll see what we're going to do 
got with us and he said, okay, guys, the most important thing when I say action, you're not acting, you're not performing, but just walk among yourselves like your friends so we can look at how you look with each other with the costumes on. But he said, the most important thing is when I say action, be sure to hit your mark. One of the guys who was an apostle who shall remain nameless said, pardon me, Mr. Jewison, um, which one of us is Mark? Because he said, hit your mark. And Matthew, Mark, come on. (laughs) And Norman always made us feel like we were absolute contemporaries. He never looked down. He never made us feel stupid. He always made us feel completely collaborative. I, I could talk about just that element for hours and not even scratch the surface. But I don't want to leave out someone who's equally as important. That's a man named David James, who was the photographer on location with us the whole time. That is the source of how we were able to put an extension on this documentary, his photography. He has zillions of of photographs because he's done many, many films for the major studios all of his career. And he has an archive that you wouldn't believe. And I called him up and said, we're doing this thing and I want to use some of your photographs. Frank Munoz, who is my business partner, he and I had brought up what we were going to do with the documentary. And we had six places where we needed new, never seen photographs. So we thought if we could get maybe six see what works. We'll ask for three and maybe you'll give us six. He sent us 95 new photographs we had never seen. 95 that he was taking the whole time. And so we were able to take all these new photographs and add to the documentary to expand on each individual character. It's just, David James is remarkable. We're doing other projects together as well. He's a dear friend, has been since 1972. So it put families together, friends together, created new friendships, unbelievable friendships. All of them, but except two, are still alive. Uh, the cinematographer, Dougie Slogan, passed not that long ago. And Barry. Whew. And we were right there with Barry the whole time. So forgive me, I can't tell a short story. No, I love it. I love it. You know what? I started this podcast because I love talking about these iconic things and, and talk, being able to talk to people like you, Ted, and get their perspective that you normally wouldn't get. So the combination of being able to watch the movie and see your documentary and then be able to talk to you, is, uh, <laughs> it's like the trifecta for me. Thank you so much for watching the doc, man. I appreciate that. I loved it. And I think anybody who loved the movie will love that. It's a great yeah. companion piece. Anyone who loves you and everything that you and the cast did are going to love it. Can't wait for everyone to be able to get it on Blu-ray and DVD and stream it and all that. <laughs> so let's talk more. Let's tease it more so that people get more excited. Norman Jewison gets the album. He's kind of inspired. He's inspired by it, right? And then he wants, he needs to do this movie. He just, he kind of feels it. So that's, that's great. And then you guys go to Israel. I mean, sure. You- <laughs> You could have filmed in a desert here. Any any desert, anywhere. Any desert. Uh, Israel, I mean, I've been there many times. You have. As special as it is, the, the deserts look like the desert. But talk to me, like, Israel to me is a very special place. Like, it's one of those places where you land and you just feel different. No question. It's a magical place, no matter what religion of the religions you are. Right. So t- tell me what it was like, because it must have been extra special being able to tell that story in Israel. How much time do we have? <laughs> <laughs> so, well, Carl and Larry Marshall, who was Simon, and I flew in together. We arrived at night, took the car from the airport to the 
hotel where we were staying, complete blackness that you get out of the major city. There's, it's not like going into another town or it's just darkness, you know. We had made an agreement, the three of us, that we wanted to see as the sun rose, we wanted to be looking from a high place where we could see all of the city of Jerusalem. So we got the stuff in the hotel as quickly as possible. We asked a person, how do we? And the guy got us in his car and took us right up to the spot on top of the hill, which overlooked town of Jerusalem. Sun starts to brighten up the sky, you know. And suddenly you can start to see the walls. And then as it got bright enough that we could actually see from above the city of Jerusalem, we could not believe it was so many TV antennas coming up. (laughs) We didn't expect that, you see. We didn't think about Jerusalem being modern just like everybody everywhere else, but there were the TV antennas and we never will forget that. So from that moment on, everything was discovery. You've been there, I know. I'm not telling you anything you don't know already, but it was just amazing amazing to be there for the purpose we were there and to be able to be doing it right there. And with the irony was that it was near the end of the Six-Day War, but they were still bombing the borders with airplanes and tanks and all that. Nothing around us because they weren't interested in the Dead Sea. They were just interested in what they were doing. That's why you have those tanks and jets in the film, because Norman, who hates war in any way, shape or form, felt that he could make a statement in this film without having to say a word. Here we are 2000 years later and it's war, 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 fighting, everybody hating. So nobody learned anything from the time that Jesus was there. They still argue and fight and all that sort of stuff. I remember the day Norman told us that he was going to get in a few days, some tanks and jets to fly over and tanks to come up and chase Carl away and so on. You know, He said, I've invited uh, someone to come and see what we're going to do from the Navy and the Marines. And so what, two or three days later, we go on the set and here's these two guys, two generals with all their medals and full uniform, you know, and standing at attention, standing, watching us do what we do. So it was impressive, mind you. And we had to hit the dirt a couple of times because the planes were flying over and bombing the border. <laughs> and the guys are, generals are standing there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, good. So we had a break and I went over to say hello. They were very kind, very, very, very kind. We talked for about maybe 10 minutes. And I said, is it okay if I ask a question, serious question? They said, sure. I said, how is it that you can be here in the middle of a war and you can just walk away from the war and come here and hang out with us on the set? <laughs> They laughed. One of the generals reached up and pulled up the metal thing with a pocket and reached in the pocket and pulled out a pad, flipped a few pages. And he said, see right here, 7 a.m., bomb the Syrian border, 8 a.m., Jesus Christ Superstar. He says, we follow orders. (laughs) (laughs) It's incredible. Gotta keep Jesus safe. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. But I tell you, everywhere we walked, no matter where we were, we were walking in someone's footsteps. We could feel that essence no matter where, whether we were in the Dead Sea or we were walking in the desert or we were in the air de Greats, what was left of the palace and all those ruins and everything that you see in the film was there. Norman scouted locations for months before we all went over there. The only thing that was in the film that wasn't originally there was the moat that they built for King Herod's song. And they put that moat, as you know, on the Dead Sea. And then the other thing was when we were getting ready to do the Last Supper and Gethsemane, the garden, you know, trees were all there beautifully like they were, but there was no grass. It was all stones and sand. So Norman sent a group of guys over a few weeks before to plant the grass. So it'd be green and beautiful when we got there. Little did he know, none of us knew that the Garden of Gethsemane, in essence, is almost like, shall we say, the heart of the land for the farmers and the sheep. And 
no matter if they're east, west, north, or south, they go back and forth over that center to get food and whatever. Well, next thing you know, the sheep are there for lunch. (laughs) (laughs) And Norman had to make an arrangement with all of the people who, who were shepherds to please keep your sheep away from this location until we finish. Then when we finish, it's all yours. Therefore, when you saw the argument between Jesus and Judas before Gethsemane, after the Last Supper, and we're right at each other's face, you know, and then he runs away. And all of those sheep, he couldn't get out of there because they were standing there waiting for the food, you see. And when Carl starts running through, he had to break his way through. All of those sheep were there. So we learn something new every day about the essence of Israel, how it was a modern city and how it was an ancient city and how it was farmers and ranchers and all that. Absolutely amazing. Everything. Other than that, I have nothing to say. (laughs) (laughs) I enjoy your short clips. Thank you. (laughs) So did you get to go to the the Church of the Holy Sepulchre and uh, see where Jesus was crucified and then to the tomb and the stone of function where he was? I just went back to visit my childhood. (laughs) I'm so sorry. I shouldn't be seeing those things. But after a while, you everybody's making those jokes. I just repeat what they say. You know, to have the opportunity to be making a feature motion picture and to be in the location where the subject matter happened. So if you have any questions or concerns at all, all you got to do is say, where do I, where do I go see it? Where do I go to the sepulcher? Where do I get Amazing. What are, what are their jokes today? <laughs> oh, well, quite frankly, they everybody was so seemingly amazed that we were there making the film because the war was, that war was going on. You see, people don't generally go on, on you know, vacations or visit places when they're shooting a war right there down the street. So they were very amazed with that. And they could not have been more kind and more generous and welcoming for all of us, always. As a matter of fact, there were concerts going on there still, even in the war. There were times whenever we were doing our music, when we could hear the music going on in the city that was going on in the daytime. And again, I'm thinking, is there bombing the place and they're still doing concerts? So here we are with a pandemic and you can't do concerts anymore, but they're bombing the place and still we saw B.B. King live over there while we were there shooting. Oh, that's so that's so amazing. Yeah. You know, the, the interesting thing about Israel is, and I mean, at the times that I was there, there's there's always strife. There's always something going on somewhere. And there's the times that I was there, the United States would be like, we don't, don't go to Israel. And we were there. And the, the interesting thing about Israel is they don't have to con- Contain the battles and the and what in their skirmishes and keep everyone else safe. Because yeah. even with things going on, I never felt safer. You know, I mean, it's it's interesting because everyone there is in the army, so they all <laughs> they all have guns and they may not be loaded all the time, but they all have guns and they're all in the army. And it's it's a very you know it's safe. You feel safe. It's an interesting. It's a peaceful place for all the craziness that's it's always going on in the Middle East. So. And what you're talking about, even though the wars are going on, you know, people are still safe. And you said because everyone's in the army, so to speak. Well, that happened to us on the set. We go to the set one day to, to shoot. We were getting ready to, to shoot the uh, Simon. You know, Christ, you know, I love you, dude. Sure, sure. And we get there and there's no crew on set. Norman goes, where's the crew? <laughs> he said, they're fighting a battle. And, and they said, everybody here is in the army. He said, but they, they should be back by midday. You know, so we had four hour break because we had no crew to do this stuff with. Sure enough, midday, they all come up. They're ready to do their thing, which to me was amazing. That, that's funny that they would disappear and then come back. Yeah, but that's that's the way it is. Everyone's yeah. there. I remember say everyone's in the army and everyone knows at least one secret. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> and they'll never great. tell. They'll never tell. That's right. <laughs> Most people don't have that combined memory. Like there's one thing of having this combined memory in the family that you made making this film, but then also kind of being in Israel elevated that and probably adds a, a, an interesting layer to the film as well to yeah. authentically be in the hometown, if you will. Yeah. I did have one joke I was going to ask you. I was going to, when you mentioned like, people make jokes, I was going to say, what do you say when you cut yourself shaving? <laughs> well, it's become a term that refers to pandemic shots now, literally. And everybody has used the word a, a zillion times. I was watching a, a CNN the other night and they were interviewing Dr. Fauci, middle of the week, halfway through it, the host said, so Dr. Fauci, are, are you aware of what people are referring to the shots now for the pandemic? And he, he said, well, we call them shots. Yeah, they're the vaccinations. And he said, but there's a new thing on the street people are referring to. Have you heard it? He said, no, I haven't. He said, would you like to hear it? He said, sure. He said, they're calling. He says, you ready for this? Fauci said, sure. He said, they're calling it the Fauci ouchie. So when I cut myself, I say, ouchie. <laughs> I'm thinking something else, but I say, ouch, you know. <laughs> when I cut myself, I go, Ted Neely. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me a little bit about Carl Anderson. Talk to me about like working with Carl and, you know, it's, it's so sad that we lost him, you know, so long ago now and it's early 2000s, but I, I watched a clip where he was still touring and doing it. And he seemed to have a matched passion for you in terms of the role in Jesus Christ Superstar and, and just doing it night after night, after night, after night. When Carl and I first met, we both had this internal feeling and we didn't talk about it until later on, until actually we were in the show together. We both felt we were born as adults on that day. In other words, life began and we were already adults and we grew up together in this experience. Every time we went on stage was like the first time all over again. And we were so comfortable with each other because of our respect for each other. No matter what one did on stage, it might've been a little different. The other would be right there with them. We were always doing new things within the confines of the character, never pulling away from what the character was doing, nor never changing that which was being sung because that was what it, the people who came to see it wanted to see because they'd seen the movie. They didn't want us going up there and doing the songs all differently and all that. We wanted to do exactly what they came to see. And it always happened. And I've never in my life worked with anyone that we had that sort of a relationship. We never went, well, we have to do this. No, why don't we try that? It just happened on stage because that music, the lyrics, the melodies, the music takes you on a journey. No matter, for us anyway, no matter how many times, twice a day, seven times a week, thousands upon thousands of performances together, never getting tired of it. Can't wait to get back on stage and do it again. And then the private lives became the same thing. Families together. And when, when he found out that he <sighs> had problems, Carl was to me the, probably the most healthy person I ever knew in my life. Yeah, I don't ever remember him even having a cold just always energetic and just the way the guy you see on that, but friendly, you know, not angry, just Carl. And when we found out that he had a problem, he had no idea because he was so healthy all the time. He, he didn't know. But when he found out, uh, oh, when you find out that you've got blood cancer and you've had it long enough that it's possible you may die next week, 
hello. And then he went in for therapy and got the thing together. And they put him in a, a place out by the beach in Malibu. And he was recovering beautifully. His wife and I were talking on a daily basis to, to see how he was. And everything was going great. One day she gave me a call and said, well, it looks like he's not going to make it through the night. And sure enough, he didn't. Oh, I've never been that moved by losing somebody other than my own parents. And then just recently this past year, I lost my brother. So sorry. So I lost my brother, Carl, a while back, but he is always there in spirit. No matter where we are or who's doing the role, they're trying to be Carl. And they do a really good job. Most of the guys are just, especially the guys that worked with me in Italy for all that time. Just amazing. Corey Glover, you know, Corey Glover? I think I know the name. Well, he, he did Judas uh, in one of our American tours. He was the closest thing ever to Carl. Oh, so it's clear like you, you found a real brother and all, all, all family doesn't come from our parents. And so it's, it's nice that you, you had that relationship and it's even more lovely how you keep his memory alive and make sure he's honored and all the, all the things that you do. So that's, it's very touching. And talk to me about Yvonne. I mean, you guys have, your voices are beautiful together. You've done music together outside of Jesus Christ Superstar. Yes. You tour together. Yes. She's a, such a sweetheart. My God. She was in the Broadway show too. So that's where we first met was when she and Barry joined us for the Broadway show. She's born and raised in Hawaii. She's definitely a Hawaiian girl. And she's got the most incredible, crazy sense of humor of any lady I've ever met in my life. Always telling crazy jokes and making side remarks. Even when we have interviews together, she has to stop laughing because somebody will say something that will make her think. She, oh, I just thought of another joke. <laughs> <laughs> we uh, have developed this concert tour that we're going to do. It was going to premiere last Easter in Boston and the pandemic stopped it. They're talking now about trying to get it up in maybe September in Boston. We're going to premiere it there definitely. And then uh, we hope that we can turn it into a, a tour because we, we do the screening. I don't know if you're aware of the movie screenings that we do. We've been doing them for now for almost eight years uh, in movie theaters all over America. We're going to now take the, uh, hopefully, the concert tour to all of those theaters because they seem to be open to letting us do it. And I'd be honest and proudly say that we've never been to any theater in any city to screen Jesus Christ Superstar with an audience watching it and singing along. We've never been to one that hasn't invited us back many times. And when they heard that we're going, we want to try to do a concert, same thing. They want us to come and do like a, a week of concerts and, and films and sing-alongs. And, you know. and Yvonne and I have become brother and sister. There's no question. It's just the way the relationships are and the way we met in such a, an emotional experience. We all became family. And everything works. There's never a problem. There's never arguments. It's just all collaboration. And her husband is the funniest guy in the world. <laughs> he's a guitar player, but he's got, he, he, he could do stand-up comedy as well. I've been trying to get them both to do a routine together because they can do so much crazy stuff. And she plays a guitar so they could guitar and tell jokes and sing. And That'd be great. I'd go see that. I, Absolutely. Yeah. There's a, a guy who was doing some work in my house. His, uh, his name is Matt. And we were talking about the podcast and I said, oh, I'm interviewing Ted Neely tomorrow. And he says, oh, really? And I'm like, yeah. He goes, I've seen him three times. Yeah. I said, I said, you, I said, do you want me to put on the record? He goes, yeah, but I'm going to, as long as you don't mind me singing along. <laughs> <laughs> 
Everybody can. I, I guess it just happened to come out at a time when families really needed something to give them some spiritual entertainment because it's based on the first four books of the New Testament, primarily Mark and John, tells the story through the songs. So the fact that nobody's talking, there's no dialogue getting in the way of the music and the music never stops. It's something that they can sit down with their babies and, and they're on their couch and and the babies sing along. And I talked to a guy just recently who said he was told by his parents that the first time he watched Jesus Christ Superstar was just after he turned one year old. And he'd been watching it ever since. Tell me about your fans. Because you, when you go to these Q&As, you do the screenings, you, you've done, well, I want to say thousands at this point, probably. Uh, Multiple thousands. Yeah, definitely. What's your feeling when these fans come up to you? And how, how do you describe that connection that you have with them? It's instant friendship. Whether we speak the same language or not, this film has made us all family. And that's around the world because this film was successful, the most successful film of the year when it came out in 73. And it, when you get a chance to go and visit other countries, not to mention your own home in every state and every city in, every, in America and Canada, but to go to other countries and get the same response. It's just the whole thing I talked about earlier about going to Rome. It was supposed to be six weeks and ran into five and a half years, which we'd still be there if the pandemic wasn't there. They didn't want to let you go. They, no, you, no. And, you get and Ted they, Neely into the little Jesus. You got to <laughs> you, you hold on to it as long as you can. But every city that we've gone to and every country we've gone to, there are people who have come to see the show that we're we're in over a hundred times. They keep coming back and seeing it every other day and bringing more family and friends. And I'm family. I'm talking about grandparents and parents and children and grandchildren all coming together. And in, in America, back east uh, in the 90s, when Carl and I were doing the tour all the time. One day, because I always meet the people before and after the show, definitely after the show. And it got to the point now where I can go out in the lobby and have meetings with everybody because the theater doesn't mind because they're selling popcorn and stuff while I'm out there, you know, getting hugs and all this stuff. And so I met this family. It was a mother and father and the son and his wife. And the son and the wife, I think, were maybe 22, 25, something like that. So five or six years later, I go back to the same city and there was a note in my dressing room. Mr. Neely, we're here again. And we'd like to be able to introduce you to our granddaughter. So after the show, I told the guys, he let make sure that they're in front of the line. So it's just a little girl so they can come and do their thing early. So I walk out and here's all the lobbies full of people. Here's the family right there. And it's grandpa, grandma, husband and wife. But I didn't see the little girl. Turns out she was hiding behind her mom, peeking around mommy, looking up at Jesus. You know, that's so where she's um, looking. And I'd look over and she hides. So I talked to the parents. And then the moment she, mom says, sweetheart, wasn't there something you wanted to tell Mr. Neely? And she goes, mm-hmm. And so she, mom said, well, now would be a best time to do that. Just, just step up here and talk to Mr. Neely. So she stepped around the front and she was dressed like a little ballerina. She just looked so precious. I wanted to just grab her and just squeeze her and squeak, but I was being polite, you know? Mm-hmm. And she said, okay, if Mr. Neely's listening, you tell him what you want to say. And she says, Mr. Neely, you are my Jesus. And she runs behind mommy. See, that, that just made chills go up my spine right now. Remembering that moment of that child, knowing that she had seen the film enough to think that I was the guy that they call Jesus, you see, that the family passed it on to the child. Now there's over four generations of families who've passed it on to their children. That's why it still works. It's just amazing for me. And, and when we do the screenings, 
We have what they call VIP gatherings before and after the screening in the lobbies of the theater. And when the people come in, it's like I'm, I'm welcoming my cousins and my aunts and uncles are all there. I feel that I've seen them. There's that same thing as I was telling you about with the cast. There's a family essence that happens that they're, we're all standing there talking together and it's wonderful. Whew. You have the personality that everyone would hope you would have. I mean, it's like, <laughs> I feel like even before we started talking before even recording, we instantly just hit it off. I mean, you just have, you make connections with people immediately. It's clear to me. <laughs> I'm, I just want, you know, I'm, I'm stealing all your licks, man. I got <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not just saying it. I just, you know, it's, it's true. I mean, it's like, you know, just the stories you have and just, you can watch any interview with you that you've done. It's clear. You just, you just have this genuineness with you. that's natural to you combined with that, with playing Jesus Christ so many times. I can, I can see where you would mean that much to everybody. So it's, it's great. Well, just think about where I I've gotten to go in comparison to where I came from as I was born in a tiny Texas town called Ranger, Texas population, 1,989 people, total population. That's counting the cows and the sheep and the goat, everything, you see. And now, I, I mean, I grew up in that everybody in the town knew each other. It was like that that was a, several versions of the same family, cousins and aunts and uncles and all that. And I spent the first 18 years of my life in that beautiful, wonderful little town. Peaceful, beautiful. Everything was great. And I got to start my band there, you know. They called us a band, but, you know, we didn't know what we were doing. We just stole everybody's music and tried to sound just like them, you know. <laughs> and I was a drummer, you know. Did you like to go by Teddy back then? Well, that's what they called me. My name I know, was Ted, the Teddy my, Neely, right? Is, is yeah, my name I'm is I'm asking Teddy. you if you like. <laughs> yeah, I had no problem. My parents called me Teddy. Okay. Because you're Ted. Nobody called me Ted, you know. Nobody called me Ted at all. It was Teddy Joe Neely. That's right. And it, TJ became something. And then Teddy Joe, everybody called, hey, Teddy Joe. You know, and hey, and here's Teddy Joe, you know. And I had an older brother, younger sister, Peggy Joyce, Jackie Ray, you know, all, all Southern folks, you know. <laughs> my dad was from Illinois and my mother's from Texas. So I grew up in this family situation. And the essence of this film has given me that ever since. It's just no matter where I go, I feel like I'm with my family. It's wonderful. Like you, I feel like we're brothers. You know, the way we're carrying on here, we've known each other for years, you know. <laughs> it's wonderful. And you got a great smile too, man. That's great. Thank you, Ted. <laughs> Sorry. Thank you, Teddy. <laughs> I feel like I can call you Teddy now. I, I do want to say that because I just think it was it's really cool. You've also been on The Tonight Show with Johnny Carson. Smother Brothers Comedy Hour, Sonny and Cher. Those are just a few things. And then recently did a movie with Quentin Tarantino and Django Unchained. So that's yeah. that's pretty. You've done some cool stuff. So what's what's next for you? Uh, the tour with Yvonne, and then more Jesus Christ Superstar. Yes, folks in Europe keep contacting me and saying, as soon as this thing closes, we want to open it with Superstar. Anyway, we definitely will go back. We just don't know when because they're having even worse problems than we are right now. But since we've been doing the screenings, all of those people that we've screened want us to come back. So we know that we can jump in and do screenings as soon as the lockdowns are lifted. And then my partner, business partner, Frank, and I have developed another project that we're doing uh, as a theatrical piece. Again, I said earlier, we wouldn't have had the opportunity to develop these things if we were still out on the road. Right. So we were able to focus on what we wanted to do with these specific projects. That's why this documentary is ready to go out there and for people to see now on Vimeo and Tubi. It's just amazing. I cannot wait to get back 
on the road and do whichever it is we do because I've been on the road all my life. And it's the first time in my life I've ever been not on the road for a whole year. So I'm ready anytime that it's okay. It's got to be okay. So again, a documentary, Superstars, directed by your friend, Frank Munez, that you just mentioned. It's it's streamable. And then it's going to be uh, August 10th of this year, 2021, Blu-ray DVD to celebrate the 48th, believe it yeah. or not, anniversary of Jesus Christ Superstar. And can I tell you something you won't believe? Like you just mentioned the 48th anniversary. I'm still only 33. But that's the miracle. <laughs> <laughs> I saved it for the end. Right, right. <laughs> Ted's turning water into wine. He's keeping himself 33. He's, he's... And that really came that really came in handy, the water wine thing, you know. <laughs> certainly in, in Rome. Hey, look out. <laughs> you should come out with a you should come out with a line of wines. <laughs> I bet that'd be I got bad. the bottles. I got the bottles right here. You got a cup of water there? Just let me hold it for a minute. It's just water, and your tagline is "Trust me." Yeah, <laughs> oh, we should travel together, man. You give good jokes. <laughs> Trust me. <laughs> this has been a blast, Ted. I can't thank you enough for hanging out with me. It really is great. A lot of fun. A lot of fun. I'm really happy your friend said you got to answer this. Uh, I know. Your friend told I know. you, yeah. Yeah, I'm glad it happened like thank that. Thank you to Paul. Bob Paul, Shaw. yes, Paul. Yeah. Thank you, Paul. Thank you. Thank you, man. Again, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. All right. How fun was that? What a great guy. Ted Neely was such a joy to talk with. When the world starts to get back to normal again, if he comes to your town, definitely check out one of the movie showings, the live play, whatever is available to you. You'll enjoy meeting Ted as much as I enjoy talking to him. That's for sure. And you'll enjoy those screenings. And definitely check out the documentary Superstars. It's streaming right now. I'll put some links in the show notes. And also, it's on sale in August of 2021. All right. We're nearing the end of the show. So you know what that means. It's time for the hashtag roundup trend of the week. That's right. This is where we pick a hashtag from the family of hashtag roundup games and spotlight it on the podcast. How do you get involved? Follow Hashtag Roundup on Twitter, at Hashtag Roundup. Download the Hashtag Roundup app. It's free, totally free, on the Apple Store or Google Play Store. You'll get notified every time a game starts. Play along, and one day, one of your tweets may end up on a future episode of Live from Detroit, the Jeff Dewaskin Show. Fame and fortune await you. All right, this week's hashtag comes to us from Who's Your Mama Tags, a very popular game on Hashtag Roundup, hosted by CK. This week's hashtag, hashtag Easter Comedies. Ted and I laugh so much, and since it's Easter, this is the perfect tag. Let's have some good laughs with Easter Comedies. That's a mashup of anything Easter-related and a comedy. And here we go. Hashtag Easter Comedies. Doctor Who hid the eggs. Good Fridays. National Lampoon's Resurrection. Boozum Bunnies. These are all amazing. Hashtag Easter Comedies. Welcome back, Jesus. Welcome back to the time. To the time, to the time, to the time. Everybody loves Raymond. I love you, man. Of God. Cadbury Shack. That's a good one. But hurry, retweet that one before it's gone. Knights, Dear sweet baby Jesus. Peopless in Seattle. I dream of Jesus. 
These are amazing hashtag Easter comedies, huh? Hoppy days, hard eggs night. It's been a hard eggs night. You've got Cottontail. And the final hashtag Easter comedies. Borat subsequent resurrection film to make benefit of glorious Jerusalem. All right. Those are some amazing hashtag Easter comedies. And don't forget, you can find all these tweeters in the show notes and also retweet it at Jeff DeWaskin Show on Twitter. Grab the hashtag Roundup app, play along, and you can end up on a future episode of Live from Detroit, the Jeff DeWaskin Show. And can you believe it? We've come to the end of yet another episode of Live from Detroit, the Jeff Dewaskin Show. Thank you all once again for coming week after week and supporting the show. Thank you to Ted Neely for being my guest. We've got lots of great shows coming up. Don't forget to subscribe and follow to the podcast. And I'll see you next week. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Jeff Dwoskin Show with your host, Jeff Dwoskin. Now go repeat everything you heard and sound like a genius. Catch us online at thejeffdwoskinshow.com or follow us on Twitter at Jeff Dwoskin Show. And we'll see you next time.